Welcome to The Fintech Effect. This show is about innovation and the impact that fintechs have had on incumbents and how they are evolving in response. I'm your host, Sue Britton. I've spent my entire career inside big and small fintechs creating solutions for financial institutions. And in every situation, there are a few common characteristics that innovators need. Passion, curiosity, courage, and the willingness to fail. My goal is to share wisdom for those innovating to help them along their journey. Hope you enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of The FinTech Effect podcast. I'm Sue Britton. I'm CEO and founder of Firefly Growth. Today, I don't have a guest, but I want to talk about uh, innovation. And I've been spending a lot of time um, on the topic of innovation lately um, with one of my clients um, and also, frankly, (laughs) trying to sort through, you know, the three some odd decades of, you know, learning that I've had uh, about innovation inside of big companies. And, um, and I thought since, um, this week I'm not, uh, launching a podcast that actually has, um, a guest to profile that I would share some of my learnings. And, um, I have what I call the 10 critical success factors for, um, having a successful corporate innovation program. Um, and, uh, and I thought I would go through them and maybe, you know, on those weeks where we don't have a guest, I can give you some of my perspective on some of those, um, uh, key success factors, critical success factors. So I'm going to start with the first one and it's, and it's probably the one I consider to be the most important, um, and frankly, uh, a controversial topic when I first started my entrepreneurial career. Um, as I was controversial because um, as I was sitting in a, a, a group of um, people who were, you know, sort of trying to decide what their <laughs> next, um, uh, you know, job was going to look like. So, you know, AKA, we had all left our companies, uh, left our positions and, you know, got that package where, um, you know, you get to spend some time with a transition consultant. Anyway, there's a bunch of us sitting in a room. They were all CIOs. Um, there's another version of this story that I tell that uh, <laughs> led to me getting my first tattoo, but that's a separate issue. But um, um, there was some disagreement around sort of uh, you know my view on this, and uh, and so what I will say is <clears throat> um, I believe it, I believe very strongly that this is a key thing. So um, and what it is is having uh, a CEO and board who are, um, uh, fully behind the corporate innovation initiative and in whatever shape or or form that takes. So that could be, you know, if you're at the stage where innovation is new, it might be a small investment, a team, an initiative, you know, and so on. You can't become, um, you know, you can't take a, 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 an incumbent, a big traditional company and make it innovative overnight. And so um, what you, you know, you need to start somewhere 
And so whether it's that or whether it's, you know, someone like um, the CEO of Standard Chartered Bank, who, um, you know, has been at it for several years and you can, you know, uh, give that a Google search and, and see a number of people who've interviewed him on the topic um, where, you know, now it's actually more, this is a stage of maturity of innovation and now it's about fine tuning and focus. But I don't think you can make innovation work inside a big company without CEO and board level um, uh, support. And so I'm just going to kind of dig into that a little bit. What do I mean by support? So I mean that, um, you know, the CEO has to make it not optional for the rest of the executive team to actually um, uh, participate. And I'll give you one experience that I had, um, and it was in my last uh, corporate job, where um, you know the CEO was pretty adamant, actually, about you know investing in innovation to try and drive um, some organic um, new product ideas in the market. Great initiative. Um, he had a leadership team that was uh, spread across Canada and the United States. Some of that leadership team came through acquisition. And we worked on a whole bunch of really interesting projects with some big names. Um, those are the kinds of projects that, frankly, I, you know, I think of as the highlights of my career because they were with clients who were super engaged in helping to define, you know, that next sort of um, iteration of a product that we were already offering because we all knew it was going to go away. Um, and I'll protect the, you know, the the client and the actual initiative um, so as to not inadvertently um, create any any issues for anybody, but. Um, what I would say is that uh, this particular situation, the reason um, why it you know, continues to sort of firmly entrench the view in my mind that um, CEO uh, level endorsement and uh, you know, requiring the uh, ex entire executive team to be supportive is because we got through probably about nine months of um, iterating on, you know, the problem we were trying to solve and the customer pains and needs and, you know, the jobs to be done and all of that great stuff. We probably didn't actually do all the steps as well as I think, you know, we could uh, have um, for a variety of reasons, but we did all that. And then we ended up in the end with um, a recommendation to uh, the executive leadership team for approval. <clears throat> sort of for approval to launch this product and market. Um, and, uh, and, and it was turned down. And the reason it was turned down was because the decision was left not to the CEO, but to an EVP who, um, you know, had other objectives. Let's put it that way. And, um, and part of those objectives was an earnout. You know, he went, came through an acquisition. Um, he was needing to hit certain targets in order for him to um, achieve whatever, you know, incentives were put in front of him. And this would have created risk to that. 
And so while it was the right thing for the company, the right thing for the client, the right thing, you know, just all around, without the CEO removing that roadblock, um, which I'm sure there would have been ways to do, right? Um, maybe, you know, protect that executive from uh, impacts that would maybe be uh, caused directly by, you know, launching that new product in, uh, in a case where that may impact their results. So anyway, hopefully you get my gist uh, of what I'm saying here is, you know, and I think that a lot of people probably would, um, this would resonate with is that, you, you know, you've got the great, you've got a great initiative, you know, it's what customers want. You know, you know that it has a, a, a business case for it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't get approved. And, and oftentimes that, whether it's the, you know, sort of executive, executive team reporting into the CEO um, or the CEO themselves or the board, those are really, you know, ultimately the key, um, you know, factors, I think, in, in determining the success or failure of innovation. Um, another, another example, uh, of that is, you know, um, oftentimes innovation, corporate innovation will, um, you know, you'll have someone that's leading it. You can call it whatever you want, transformation, whatever it's, I like to think of innovation as, you know, it's a very polarizing word, but it is, um, really describing, you know, um, you know, not doing things as you've always done them, you know, doing them in a different way, working in a different way, you know, shifting your view to not the product that you have, but the product that the customers want. And yes, I'm focusing primarily on um, product innovation um, in my, you know, sort of realm um, of experience. But um, often what happens is, you know, everyone gets a certain piece of the pie, right? A budget. Um, and, uh, you know, I think another complaint, we'll talk about this as a, as a separate um, initiative around corporate innovation, or sorry, a, a separate uh, critical success factor, um, which is the funding of innovation. But I'll use it as an example of where, you know, this CEO leadership and, and support for innovation has to actually lead, you know, through tough times when... You know, and even today, I mean, I just just before uh, recording this, I, I saw another note about another bank um, in Canada letting go some employees. And so it's tough times. Like, you know, there there's no question that, um, you know, you have to trim, you know, budgets and reduce costs and things like that. Uh, the reality is, is that innovation costs money. You can't get around that. It's not about going out and actually, you know, um, saying to your sales team, you know, go sell this idea first and then we'll fund it. Um, actually, that's how I started my career, basically, um, uh, is, you know, basically selling a dream and then coming back and saying, okay, the customer's going to go for it, so let's do it. And that works in certain cases. That was a big enterprise um, technology company. But, you know, back to sort of the world that I'm referring to, which is, you know, financial institutions like credit unions and banks and insurance companies and wealth management companies and all this big solution providers that support them who have all been around for, a lo you know, long enough to have entrenched processes and likely shareholders who expect a certain return. Um, and, and so what happens in tough times is you end up 
looking for places to cut. Um, and, and unfortunately, innovation is often considered one of those places because it's, you know, it's, uh, there's no, you know, super clear payback on every single dollar. Um, it takes time to actually deliver benefits from uh, innovation and, uh, and, you know, expecting that you're going to launch, you know, you're going to take one idea and you're going to launch it to market and it's going to be a huge success is absolutely ridiculous. So it takes time to build the capability to actually build um, the portfolio full of um, interesting and viable ideas that customers want, all of that good stuff. But when times are tough, you need um, a CEO who's actually going to protect innovation. Um, it's the worst time to take money away from innovation because you know, tough times are going to mean that you're going to really have to do things differently, not just cut funding and cut people, but actually think about, you know, how do I reduce my costs going forward? Because this may actually not get better anytime soon. And innovation is a great way to, to do that. So, um, and so, you know, I, I again, have an have a, a example from my experience where, you know, we started off with a $7 million corporate innovation budget. And over the course of uh, three years, it um, was one million, and you know, um, you could you could be thinking to yourself as I'm as I'm saying this, yeah, well, maybe that's because you know the leader of that innovation group, which you know, let's let's just say for <laughs> argument's sake, it was me, that I failed, that I failed to deliver, and so the reduction in the budget had more to do with me than it did with the CEO. And I guess I would just say, you know, I'd like you to just sort of assume that that wasn't the case. I do believe that 98% of the time when innovation is considered a failure, it's actually not about um, innovation or about the, the resources or about, you know, the approach or the ideas. It's more about um, you know, this thing called culture and people and human behavior that often, um, you know, sort of is where innovation suffers its, uh, its, its you know, death, <laughs> takes its last breaths. So, um, so, yeah, so that's another example where, you know, a CEO has to step in and say, you know what, like, I'm quite sure that if I think of all the, you know, examples that jump right to the top of my mind about, you know, it, where we haven't seen anyone walk away from, at least on the surface, it looks this way anyway, but like RBC, for instance, with their ventures and RBCX, which is what it's now called, um, you know, ex tons of examples in Europe, because that's ultimately, in, you know, where a lot of early innovation has happened with, you know, banks and, and um, uh, credit unions and others who have not given up on, you know, the uh, investment in, you know, a deliberate um, focus on innovation. So, so a couple of, a couple of scenarios where hopefully, you know, it, it rings true um, and might give you some, you know, perspective on why it's so important. Um, and so there's, 
you know, I think I, so what I covered was, you know, the leadership team that reports into the CEO not really having an option to participate. So that's one. The CEO making sure to preserve the ability for innovation to um, be successful. So that's two. Um, ultimately, you know, if it's going to be anything of, you know, consequence at some stage, you're going to have to invest money <clears throat> without, you know, your traditional payback. That would be another scenario where you really need the CEO, especially if you have to, if it has to be taken to the board. <clears throat> so again, CEOs has to really fight for that. And they're the only ones that can. Um, that's the buck stops, essentially. Um, you know, some other scenarios might be, um, you know, providing that uh, sort of um, positive, um, you know, inspirational, you know, to basically be the, the, the lead change agent for the organization to um, have everybody believe in uh, the, you know, the investment in innovation. That's another thing that, you know, I really don't think, I mean, it absolutely has to be bottom up and top down, but if you don't have the top down, it just makes it, you know, so much more difficult to, to achieve. Um, so that's, I mean, hopefully that's where I'm sure I could talk about lots of other things, but I just wanted to come on and, you know, um, share some things with you that hopefully you would find helpful and um, like I said, I have, you know, uh, these 10 sort of, you know, things that I think are really critical to making innovation a success inside an organization. Um, happy to, you know, if you want to reach out, by all means, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or, or you know, any other platform that we're on um, and be happy to share more with you. But um, what I'll do is, you know, maybe for the times, as I said at the beginning of this, that I don't have, um, you know, a guest this week, I'll share, you know, some of the others with you, um, you know, to give you some hints. Uh, you know, I touched on one already, but one, one of the other uh, uh, nine uh, is actually having a, a very specific budget for innovation. And uh, so I'll talk more about that. The other is um, uh, communication, is making sure to actually communicate uh, internally very clearly about what you're doing. And I'll talk about why that's important. Um, so there's a couple more. But yeah, I, uh, and you know, if anyone who's listening to this is interested in, in joining me to talk about any one of these, um, I would be more than happy um, to, uh, to see if that's a fit. But uh, you know, definitely would like it to be a conversation with folks that have the experience um, and uh, maybe can share some examples to help others who struggle with this. But anyway, I think, um, you know, my takeaway for you is you're not alone. If you're feeling frustrated that, you know, the your organization's efforts towards, you know, innovation is... Um, uh, not set up correctly, then um, you're probably right. And you probably need to, you know, maybe look at some of those critical success factors and figure out which ones are the ones you need to focus on and uh, develop a plan of action to um, try and, and mitigate them. Um, 
I would go as far as to say if I was working for an organization that did not have the CEO uh, willing to play this role, that I, uh, I wouldn't take on innovation. It just, it would be futile. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so anyway, hopefully that's all helpful to everybody. And I enjoyed sharing that with you. Um, haven't done this before, so I'm absolutely interested in all feedback. You know, you can share it publicly or you can share it privately. But um, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, I look forward to sharing the next episode of the FinTech Effect with you all. Thanks very much.